0: Hello, (laughs) I was was waiting. I was too long to wait. Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers: Your Statistics in Sports Podcast. I'm your host Joshua Tracy, and I'm Corwin Heller. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the 1994 film Pulp Fiction and the 2020 film uh, Defy Bloods. Uh, Corwin, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, before we jump into the movie stuff, just cuz I want to mention it, um and we didn't get the chance in our sports episode because it was fucking long. Um the MLB is going through like the world's worst PR nightmare in the world <laughs> because the owners refuse to give players money. And um do you think we see baseball this year?
1: Uh the rumor is that there was a productive meeting and that they've agreed upon, you know, 60 games fully prorated. I I mean that's essentially So I actually think, I, the same as it was? Actually get
0: get this. That's not true. The MLBPA came out and said that that's a lie that someone in the MLB had started circulating to put public pressure on the MLBPA to agree to, but they haven't actually agreed to a damn thing. They're still playing games.
1: I fucking hate the MLB, man. I I know.
0: What the fuck?
1: Oh, Well, and I have no idea.
0: (laughs) Right? Like man, the odds are not looking good. So I know, you know, there hasn't been any concrete updates and there still aren't concrete updates, but the fact that there aren't concrete updates is like a reason I thought to have a very minor update on the world of baseball, because there might not be one for very much longer. They're really trying here.
1: Yeah. Uh, I am not holding my hopes hopes up, uh, of there being any sort of season this year. Um, it's just one of those things i I'd, I'd love to have something uh but there is just i don't think
0: i, don't think I yeah i i i had a plenty plenty a hope like 3 weeks ago and now it's almost entirely dashed uh so then with with that being the backdrop let's uh let's take it back to the last time there was a lengthy period of time in which baseball was not played, 1994, the same year that Pulp Fiction came out. (laughs) What a transition, might I say. Uh, Pulp Fiction, 1994 film written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, starring John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson, Uma Thurman. Um, Ving Rhames is here. Bruce Willis is here. Paul Calderon is here. Eric Stoltz is here. And we're we're they're all here, man. Uh it had an estimated budget of Corbin. Do you want to guess? I have no idea.
1: Give me give me a guess. Uh 45 million. Eight. Eight million. Wow. Eight million. And apparently
0: the reason it was that high is because they got Bruce Willis at the last minute to jump in. Um because he he they thought he would have overseas appeal and uh, wanted to, to grab him. The $5 million of the $8 million went to actors' budgets, actors' salaries, um, which means that they only had $3 million of outside production costs, which is wild. Mm-hmm. And they had sold the worldwide rights for $11 million before it even hit uh, the box office. So because the, the principal was so low, they managed to be profitable almost immediately. Um, so an $8 million budget...
1: will be profitable before you even go to theaters
0: yeah i know it's ridiculous they sold the rights for three million in surplus like oh god it's crazy um the cumulative worldwide gross for this film 222.863 million dollars which makes this a fucking success um my god that roi is beautiful anyway um halfway through the movie cal asked me what this movie is about I said it's about these people. Uh, I stand by that, but it's more loosely about um, a briefcase people wanting it and uh, and and a boxer who fucks over a mobster, <laughs>
1: right? Yeah, That's about it,
0: yeah. um, it's told in a nonlinear fashion. Corwin, what are your thoughts on this all-time classic?
1: Uh- That's it. It's an all-time classic. Um, I think this is one of those movies that you can hold up to being a a truly, you know, it it goes beyond time. It goes beyond, you know, current culture. It goes beyond cultural changes. Like, this is something that can be held up against the Citizen Kane's, the Casablanca's, the Apocalypse Now, the Godfather, like, as one of, if not the greatest movies of all time. Uh, You know, I think this is one of those perfect movies that even after watching it, you know, 10, 15 times, 20 times, it it still holds up every single time I watch it.
0: I know. I mean, it's amazing because not a second of the film is wasted. Not a line of the film is wasted. And it's so easy to just... I don't want to say like it's weird, like some parts almost feel like a popcorn flick, you know, because the conversations are so crisp and clean and easy to just like kind of get lost in. And then all of a sudden the action happens and you're reminded of what type of film you're in. But like, you know, listening to, to Jules and Vince in the very beginning, talking about the differences between hamburgers uh, in European countries as compared to the U.S., that's just, that's just that's just a just a great dialogue it's a great conversation and it makes it so easy to just sit down to this movie that is about like really harsh gory pulpy things um and kind of just like get lost in 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 the dialogue it's so fucking perfect
1: yeah uh, i i really have nothing better to say about this movie than you know talking about the dialogue it's it's so well written it feels so natural there's such just uh a casual natural flow to it uh, it's it's tremendous uh, I, it's one of the best parts of any quentin tarantino movie he's such a great writer and this movie is just the pinnacle of that
0: it's so interesting because what i love about it is uh what i love about the dialogue in and- both Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs, which was Quentin Tarantino's movie right before this, it was his debut film. It's also fucking phenomenal. Is that the off-topic dialogue is so perfect because it feels because it feels so much like a conversation you'd have, you know, like them talking about. The difference between cheeseburgers while you're catching up with your buddy after you just got back from Europe, you know, like the little differences. Like, I've had those conversations. Mm -hmm. I've had, I've 100% had, not, not like literally about what they call Big Macs and other places, but like I've had, I've had those fucking conversations of like, you know, what you got at the dinner table and fucking like, uh, uh, Poland or some shit when I've gone overseas. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's absolutely a conversation that you have with your friends. Um, the same thing with with talking about like the the difference between a foot rub and going down on a dude's wife. That's a hilarious conversation that I'm pretty sure I've had like similar versions of, you know?
1: Who who do you think was right in that conversation about foot rubs and eating out? What's your stance in the situation there?
0: Well, that's one of the things I think benefit or is such a, a great part of who Tarantino is is that usually you can agree with either side of things because, mm-hmm. you know, to Jules' credit, he's right. It's a lot to throw a dude down a four story building for touching a man's feet. It's just her feet. But Vince is right that it is also a pretty intimate way to touch somebody. You know, you don't, it's not like a handshake. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably lend myself to Jules' side of things because just because you have the ability to throw a dude out of a four-story building and face minimal to no repercussions doesn't mean you do it willy-nilly like that because that's probably a pretty weak way of getting by and a good way of you losing your business eventually because, you know, the cops can only ignore so much with, with, with how much you pay. But I don't know. I think they are both they both have cogent points. What about you?
1: Yeah. Uh, so, like, the the comment was about is given another man's woman a foot rub in the same ballpark as eating her out eating out her holiest of holies um and there's no way those two are even the same sport you know I'm definitely with Jules on that um you know it's, it's definitely an intimate act and I could understand why I would be uncomfortable with another man giving my lady a foot rub if it's not, you know, under the circu- circumstances, especially, I don't think I said that right. Um, but man, like it's, it's definitely not throw a man out of a window type stuff. Uh, no, there, there
0: it's a scale, you know, there, there's scales to things.
1: Yeah. Uh, but I don't, I don't remember specifically cause I don't have my notes, but, uh, So Mia said later on that it wasn't that reason that Marcellus threw Rocky Horror out of the window, right? Like it was something else, yeah.
0: Yeah, she said that she had no fucking clue. Yeah. She said, uh, when you guys, when you gangsters all get together, you're worse than a sewing circle. (laughs) I love the dialogue in this movie. And that's one of the things I took such joy into pointing out to Cal. The reason I picked this is, is my girlfriend's never seen it before and she wanted to watch it. Because it's such an in-your-face movie in terms of what people are doing, what they're wearing a lot of the time, uh, the the gore and the action, but there's a lot of really good subtlety in this movie. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, and not even really good. There's a lot of important subtlety in, in in the movie, like the difference between getting a balloon or a baggie at Eric Stoltz's drug den yeah. is the reason Mia Wallace ends up ODing. And it's, you know, it's it's one thing for it to be innocuous. You know, she could just say she's a fucking cokehead. She just thought it was coke. But the fact that they thought to drop in there Eric Stoltz being like, hey, man, I'm out of balloons. Is a baggie okay? With the context being that heroin goes in balloons and cocaine goes in baggies. Mm -hmm. And then that's what ends up leading to Mia Wallace, who's a very experienced drug user, to assume that the thing in the baggie was coke and not heroin and then snort it. Like, that's an amazing like
1: very, very small, fine print detail that I absolutely love. And that's the same reason why Vincent's always in the bathroom is heroin. One of the side effects is, uh, you know, bad constipation. And that's something that is causing him throughout the movie, you know, uh, to be stuck in the bathroom. It literally kills him at the end of the day. Yep. Uh, What a brutal way to die.
0: Yeah, really. I know. Also, I, I often think about this. Why wouldn't you just bring your gun into the shitter with you?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh so my theory was he was in the shitter and uh he was there with Marcellus. Marcellus went out for the coffee and the donuts and was on his way back when Butch runs into him, but they were there together. He ran out while he was in the bathroom and that's why he didn't bring it in with him.
0: That And it's just really convenient for the story. That would make actually a lot of sense as to why Marcellus is in that neighborhood.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm. Because he's carrying two, he has two coffee cups with him.
0: You're right. I never put that together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because I always thought it was weird because... I did put it together until this watch-through. I always thought it
0: was weird because um, Vince brings his gun into the bathroom in the breakfast joint. Because when he comes out and sees the, the stick-up is happening, he points his gun at, uh, I think she's just called Honey Bunny. Um, but he didn't bring his gun to the bathroom. But that makes that, that makes sense. That makes sense. I, ca- I can buy it. I can buy it. Hmm. Uh, sure. Another but one yeah, of my...
1: So many of those little details in there.
0: Another one, when they're at Jack Rabbit Slims, uh, asking if you want your milkshake, uh, Martin and Lewis, and or Amy and Andy. Andy. Yep. Yeah. Oh! Oh! It makes... My 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 cinephile heart so warm. Uh, for anyone who does not get the reference, um, like me when I was like a kid, because I first first watched. Well, how old were you the first time you watched this movie?
1: Six seven, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I know this. Is, this is another one for me where I watched this shit young as fuck. Um, so you obviously don't get any of this shit when you're a kid. But uh, Amos and Andy was a <laughs> actually super racist uh, black comedy troupe uh usually i think it was one actual black guy and one guy in blackface um i believe so and i have to double check myself um and then martin and lewis who were a white comedy duo basically just asking the question uh of mia wallace do you want a vanilla milkshake or a chocolate milkshake and that's just a hilarious way of doing it and again it it just it's just an in and out line, you know what I mean. It just it just drops in and then and then just leaves. It's it's perfect.
1: I had some more written down. Um, I don't have them in front of me anymore, but I I wish I there were some little things that uh, like the book he was reading. I forget the name of the book, but that had some importance uh, indirectly. Just so many fun little things. Love it
0: real quick amos and andy uh actually started as a radio show and both of the voice actors were white mm. <laughs> Just so so bad
1: they should have asked if they wanted it uh amos and andy or amos and andy <laughs> that's good that's good i like that yeah i'm sure that was never said before hey you such an original guy
0: oh i didn't mention the oscars i'm sorry i pulled it up on the tab and then forgot pulp fiction was nominated for oh geez um seven oscars and one one of them it was nominated for best picture best actor in a leading role for john travolta best actor in a supporting role for samuel l jackson best actress in a supporting role for uma thurman best director for quentin tarantino best film editing for sally menke and best writing adapted screenplay Oh, sorry, sorry, written directly for the screen, but for Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery, which they won that one. Um oh, how how amazing is Samuel L. Jackson in this film? Oh, he's tremendous. I'm tremendous. Sh- oh I'm so disappointed. Not that we didn't get more from him um after this, because we certainly do. There's plenty of good Samuel L. Jackson roles out there. Um, but that this is his only Oscar nomination. He's such a good actor.
1: Really? Yeah, this is it. Talked about this before. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. I mean, now he he's living
0: good. You know, he's cashing all the those Avengers paychecks. You know, he's got all that Quentin Tarantino money. But like, I mean, don't no get wrong. This is a great, great character for him, and it's a fucking amazing role. But like, he he's got a a whole body of work that's phenomenal.
1: When you think of Samuel L. Jackson, what's the first role you think of?
0: Um, that's a great question. I my 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 gut reaction was to say Jackie Brown, and then my follow up reaction is to say, "Um, uh, do the right thing." Mm. Only because he's not in "Do the Right Thing" a lot, but when he's in "Do the Right Thing," he's the only thing in "Do the Right Thing." Right.
1: Uh, He's Mace Window for me every time. Oh my God, that's right! I
0: forget. I forgot he was in that. Ah, that's disappointing. I love, so I that, love that he had a purple lightsaber because he wanted to be able to find himself later on. And it says
1: "bad motherfucker" right, right on it. Does it really? Yeah. Underneath the uh, on the hilt, underneath the uh, activation button, it's uh, stenciled in "bad motherfucker." I'll have to keep my eye out for it next time I'm watching the Clone Wars. Um, If you want to hear him talk about it, I think it was the Graham Norton show he talked about the engraving. Okay. But whatever. Yeah.
0: Uh, What do you think of Christopher Nolan? Sorry, not Christopher Nolan. Christopher Walken's singular scene in this
1: film. That was always such a weird scene for me. You know, if I had to rank him, it would always end up being near the bottom just because it. It felt so out of place, and it just was so fucking weird that a, a old man would be talking about that stuff with, like, a little kid shoving shit up his ass. It's funny, it's just... It's so different from the rest of the movie. It's... Maybe... I, 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 there are some scenes I'm not a fan of. Maybe it's, you know, bottom third, at least. But... Oh, I fucking love that scene. Yeah?
0: <laughs> oh, man. I lo- Christopher Walken came in to that scene ready to win a best supporting actor Oscar. Like that's how much fucking acting he's doing in that scene and I love it.
1: I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's just something that like I don't really pay much attention to cuz it, it never did it for me but yeah. It's just I love so many other scenes so much more that that just gets pushed down the list. Like any scene with Jules and Vincent together. Um man, any scene with Marcellus Wallace in it. It's it's just so many good scenes in this movie. It's hard to have that one be the you know, top. I
0: uh I well I I'm a big Christopher Walken fan, so it it, it does a lot of good things
1: for me. What do you think about uh, Harvey Keitel in this movie? Oh, the Wolf. Love the that. Wolf. Winston Wolf. Um I feel like uh, the only thing that I don't like about his character is how the fuck do you make it 30 minutes in 10? How is that mathematically possible?
0: <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing. If you assume a 30 mile an hour speed limit, that means he'd have to be going
1: 90, basically. Right. And it's not like this is some place that like this is Los Angeles. It's not like oh yeah, it's it the Valley too. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm assuming it's like 30 minutes with LA traffic, and he's just a master. But it's it's 10 minutes traffic free, and he he just got there. Traffic. I don't fucking know, man. Actually, but.
1: another thing that always bothered me: what is he doing at like uh, a fucking social event? This like black tie tuxedo event at like nine in the morning.
0: I had always assumed it was a funeral. Hmm. Because everyone in the background is also wearing like suits and ties and shit. Right. And there seems like no r- possible reason for that to be happening outside of a funeral. It's like literally the only thing I could think of where you're wearing a suit and tie in like that early in the morning.
1: Yeah. All right. That's pretty fair. That makes I don't sense. know that
0: it yeah, that's the thing. I don't know that it matters. I, so actually that brings up a question that I always had. Why the hell are Jules and Vince wearing suits and ties? Think about it. They have they had to do some gangster shit mm-hmm. at seven o'clock in the morning. Seven in the morning.
1: Suits and ties. Because Why? They look fucking cool. It's all about it's all about image.
0: I mean, they do look cool. I I, I cannot argue that. But like Honestly, it's a weird scene to happen at 7 in the morning because not only are they in, like, full suits and ties in 7 in in the morning, the guys that they're seeing are are also already awake and have already gone to get breakfast at the Big Kahuna. Like, who gets fast food burger takeout at 7 in the morning? Like, it's a weird time for everything that happens to happen.
1: All right, so I just looked this up. Uh, they wear suits because Quentin Tarantino viewed them as being reservoir dogs. Okay. And he wanted to have them wearing these short-collared, very tight-fitted suits uh, on Sam Jackson because Jules is like a preacher, uh, and on John as Vincent, I wanted the linen rumpled suit because he's a mess with long hair and the earring. Him to have the same outfit that he's been sleeping in been living in uh
0: yeah uh all right i can accept this mildly it doesn't excuse
1: going to hawaiian burger joint at seven in the morning but i'll let it slide i was just kind of viewed that as like these guys were out late doing their thing with this and that's why there's a lot of things that just it as a movie, you kind of get used to it and just like accept that that's how it goes, but it would not make sense in real life.
0: So one of the, one of the key parts of this film is uh, that in, in the not opening scene, because the opening scene is the diner scene, but the, the uh, second scene, um, there are, our two anti hero type of guys are off to go get a suitcase uh, from these four dudes that just had it because it belonged to Marcellus Wallace and the whole thing is that you know they open the suitcase it's glowing on the inside you never see what's inside of it and uh yeah what uh what's your impression what would you ha- what what would, what's in there for you
1: um i i always liked the the theory that it was his soul um uh, Uh, You know, it's cool to think about, but it's definitely not the most believable. Um, I've heard that it's like gold bullion, which is why it's glowing, which, you know, that's probably the most realistic uh, reason. I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, I'm fine just not thinking too hard about it. Yeah, it ultimately doesn't fucking matter.
0: You know, the, in 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 cinema, it's called a, uh, a MacGuffin. It it's just a thing that needs to be sought after for the film to continue going, um, which is fine. Like, like you know, The Maltese Falcon is a MacGuffin, and The Maltese Falcon, like this, is a very common trope. It's not even, and it's not even negative. It's it, it it just people in life want things and therefore pursue them, and that is sometimes the plot of movies. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's, it's just how it goes. Um, I believe I once heard an interview with Tarantino where he said it was originally going to be diamonds, but he had just done the whole diamond heist thing in Reservoir Dogs and didn't want to repeat himself. So he, he, and he didn't feel like trying too hard to figure out what it should be in place of that. So he just put nothing, Um, which, uh, yeah, totally. I get it. I wouldn't want to do diamonds twice in a row either. That seems very redundant.
1: So, yeah. I'm I'm glad they left it, you know, uh, open ended. Yeah, it's just better because that's the thing. The, like, the know, charm of the movie.
0: If uh, if if it had like an easy monetary value to assign to it, then it 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 makes the like the stakes at in the diner scene at the end way lower because it's just like Marcellus Wallace is super rich, like he'll get over it. You know, like, oh no, it's some diamonds. Like I bet it's a lot of money, but like I'll bet he'll get it back. You know, like he's 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 that guy. So, I'm trying to think. Uh, what about um? What about this? What about Bruce Willis in this movie? What is your impression of who Bruce Willis is in this movie? What do you mean by that? So he he's been scheming and planning this whole time. He's a good enough boxer to win the fight, but he's uh, either a bad enough boxer that he thinks his days are numbered. Or that he thinks, or that the odds would have been stacked to get up a, enough against it. He's, a, he's such an interesting. I, I love the idea of who Bruce Willis is because how did he get into the room with Marcellus Wallace? You know what I mean? Because if he was big time enough, he doesn't need Marcellus Wallace, but he's old, you know? Right. And he knows it is that much time left. Like, like Marcellus Wallace said, if you were going to make it, you would have made it by now. But he's smart. And it might not come across like that because he's a fucking knucklehead. Uh, And he comes like in one eeny, meeny, miny, moe away from getting ass raped. But he did put together a whole ass plan that did work exactly as he had intended it to. I don't know. I I find it to be a very interesting character that ultimately isn't asked to really do almost anything, which is totally fine. I don't think Bruce Willis could have handled much more than was asked of him. But I don't know. I found it to be an interesting character.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where I kind of, you know, he has that one line where it's, uh, you know, that's how you're going to beat him, Butch. Uh, And I feel like this is just him seeing the situation for what it is and doing anything he can to take advantage of it. Um, and he kind of viewed this as you know, everyone knows the fix is in. he's gonna make his money off of this. that's what he's gonna do just to get by and that's just him getting by., um, I don't know i I think uh, I don't think he's the smartest guy in the world. I think uh I think this could have gone significantly better uh, but that goes without saying I don't know it's it's hard to put anything deeper than that. Uh, out there if uh if you were butch would you have gone back for marcellus wallace oh man yeah i uh, i feel like you have to that's that's not a way to leave a man and let him die like goddamn, that's i would go back if not just for marcellus wallace for my own revenge for my own satisfaction you know absolutely. That's too much,
0: yeah. so are we I Cal said she wouldn't. She kept yelling at him to like get out of there, like, fuck that dude, leave him behind. And I was like, I don't know, man, that's that's too fucked up. Like I'd go back. Like I don't care what that dude was threatening to do to me like an hour ago. like, I'll go back. I, I, yeah, yeah yeah, you can't let a man. You can't let anybody just fucking
1: go through that shit like that. Ass fucked. That is, that is far and away my favorite line in the movie. I'm pretty fucking far from okay. <laughs> We're gonna go medieval on his ass. Medieval on your ass. I'm gonna get a couple of hard hitting mothers. <laughs> Such
0: a good. Uh, Marcellus uh, was also a phenomenal. And see, I, that's one of the things
1: about. Character for sure.
0: He's amazing, and I think that's one of the things about Tarantino as a director. And uh, I know he's probably not personally doing all the casting, but what he asks his actors to do is just stay in your wheelhouse and live there. You know, it's uh, it's 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 really like like listening to a composition. You know, John Travolta is there to play, honestly, kind of John Travolta. He's kind of a dick. Mm-hmm. He he gets by. Enough. Life doesn't go his way. He he tries to be the cool guy. He's,
1: he's, that's just
0: John Travolta, Samuel Jackson. He just seems like Samuel Jackson.
1: You know. Have, have you ever seen the character or the actor wish list for Pulp Fiction? No. What is it? He wrote out a list of his first choice, you know, and alternates for every single character in the movie. Um, you know, so. If you Google, you know Tarantino character list, go to images. It'll be right there. It's just, you know, nine and a half and eleven piece of paper. You know, as part of the script. Um, but I want to hear your thoughts on some of these characters and who you think would have been better if you know the first choice or if it ended up being the best choice for the role. All right, yeah, let me hear it. So Tim Roth as Pumpkin. That happened. Yeah, yeah. he was the first choice and the note here is written for tim uh possibilities if tim can't do it johnny depp was the second choice Oh, absolutely not no way i didn't see that at all uh you know what i actually could see it i think johnny depp in you know the era of like uh 21 jump street that kind of character i think could do it johnny depp in 2020 no way johnny depp who he used to be sure. That's the thing that's tough is like, because Tim Roth does a really
0: good job being a little bit more on the skittish side. And I always thought, uh, I, when I think of Johnny Depp, even from that era, I usually think of like the cool, more reserved guy, you right. know? Because if you think about him from like his early movies, like Nightmare and Elm Street, and then you think of him from 21 Jump Street, even in those movies, he's like the cool boyfriend or like the cool ki- undercover cop at school. Whereas Tim Roth is like short and neurotic, and I think it adds a lot. I don't know. Like, I don't think it'd be bad, but I I, I like Tim Roth.
1: Um, the other choices were Christian Slater, Gary Oldman, Nick Cage, Eric Stoltz, and John Cusack.
0: That is a bizarre list of people.
1: Very odd list. All right, tell me, I, who's next? Slater couldn't see Oldman. I couldn't see Cage. Uh, Oldman just feels... I, how old was Oldman in
0: 1994? No I feel idea. like... Okay.
1: Um, So, Honey Bunny, uh, written for Amanda Plummer, who got the part. Um, Then it was part. part, part, Wow. Uh, I can't speak. Patricia Arquette. Oh, okay. As a strong possibility, and Lily Taylor as another strong possibility. Uh, Other options being Bridget Fonda, Phoebe Cates, Marissa Tomei, and Jennifer Jason Leigh.
0: Ooh. Jennifer Jason Lee would have been awesome in this. Mm-hmm. Um uh, uh, Patricia Arquette would have been a very different character. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would have been bad, but it would have been a very different character.
1: Uh, I, she's I usually like doing the crazy, crazy.
0: Yeah, that's she's exactly what was. Yeah. Yeah, I see her getting I see her doing the mad really well, but not the Again, like like the neurotic and the like, I have to pee line, mm-hmm. you know, like all that weird
1: shit. And then I don't know who Lily Taylor is. Uh, I also don't know who Lily Taylor is. Let me look it up. Taylor, um, I don't know who this woman is at all. So I'm. Um, that I, I've seen Mystic
0: Pizza. I've seen Say Anything. I've seen, I shot Andy Warhol. I've seen the maze. I've seen like a decent number of the movies she's been in. I have
1: no idea who she is. Good thing it didn't go to her. Yep. All right. So next up is Vincent. All right. John Travolta as the strong, strong, strong second choice. Do you know who the first choice was? Oh, Uh, Michael Madsen. You fucker. Yeah? Yeah. You have the list on in front of you. you no, I don't. In, no, I don't. Garbage. Uh, it was Michael Madsen, written part written for Michael Madsen.
0: That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense because I think I, I've I've heard an interview where Tarantino said that the Vincent Vega character was Michael Madsen's character in Reservoir Dogs' brother, um, and so I don't think it's too far of a stretch to just throw him have, in there. Have him play like the second half of that twin. Yeah. Sir, I, it would be a huge stretch. So, and Plus, Tarantino loves working with the same guys. Like Michael Madsen would then go on to appear and kill Bills 1 and 2. So, again, not a
1: huge stretch. Um, uh, other strong possibilities were Alec Baldwin, Gary Oldman, oh, okay. and Michael Keaton. I think um, Michael, I mean, Gar- Gary Oldman I'd like the most out of that group. Yeah. Um, And then other options are William Peterson, Andy Garcia, and... Jason, Patrick, and Denzel Washington. Oh, Ooh, Denzel would have been cool. Dennis Quaid, Robert Carradine, and Aiden Quinn. I would not
0: I have been that a that fan is. of Robert Carradine. I don't know who
1: that ah. is. Who is that? He,
0: he's, uh, or am I thinking of David Carradine? Damn it, I always get the Carradines mixed up. Hold on, I'd
1: have to look up who Robert uh, Carradine is. Yeah, would not like that guy. Revenge of the Nerds.
0: Yeah, okay, then yeah, yeah, that would have been bad.
1: Yeah, that would have been good. Um, So then, Lance, uh, Eric Stoltz, or all right. So the part was written for John Cusack. Really? If John can't do it, I want Eric Stoltz. And then the, the story that I had heard
0: was that Tarantino had written the part for himself, and then and had Eric Stoltz playing Jimmy. But then switched them at the, not like the last minute, but switched them pretty late in the process because he just decided he wanted to play Jimmy.
1: Um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's how it's written here and assumedly in, yeah, assuming it's the script specifically. Um, he also spells Eric Stoltz wrong everywhere. <laughs> really? It's, yeah, there's only one T in this every single time it's written, um, which is fucking hilarious. Uh and then Christian Slater, Gary Oldman, Robert Carradine, and Nick Cage were all strong possibilities. And then Michael Keaton, Bill Paxton, Johnny Depp, Samuel L. Jackson, and Eric Roberts were all others.
0: Samuel Jackson, this would have been truly strange in in, in the Lance role.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah. then the Jody is on here as the second to last one. Uh, there is no specific first or second choice. Uh, the strong possibilities are Patricia Arquette, Bridget Fonda, Jennifer Beals, Pam Greer, Kathy Griffin, who is also in this movie, uh, and then Angel Aviles. uh Avils? Sure. Um, and then others were... Nabusia Wright, Sophia Coppola, Jasmine Guy, Tria Farrell, Lily Taylor, and Jennifer Jason Leigh.
0: I'm glad this wasn't Pam Greer mm-hmm. because it Jody's such a bitch. Yeah. And Pam Greer's way too strong of a care of, of a of like a, a female character for that. Like and plus he got to work with her four years later in um uh what movie was that? Um Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. Brown uh and that is a far better role for Pam Greer love Pam Greer but uh eh, i don't really the Jody character is 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 a nuisance that is in like one one single storyline and two scenes so fuck Jody
1: yeah ended up going to Patricia Arquette and then the last one on here is the wolf oh shit okay um the it's cut off it's not shown well the part was written for Harvey Keitel. That makes a lot of sense. Those are the only names we get to see. What's the first movie you think of when you think of Harvey Keitel? It's this. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, for me, it's um, uh, Taxi. Or, sorry, Taxi Driver. Really? Yeah.
1: Even I though he's in the movie for,
0: for, for like 10 minutes, I, I I always think of him as the fucking pimp.
1: I really never cared for that movie.
0: I love that movie.
1: Oh, I love it, it. That was like one of the first movies I watched where I was like, "This, I, I think I just don't get this." It gets better with age. Yeah, I believe it. Um, our, our
0: our age, not not the movie's age. <laughs> it's the same. It's the same movie forever. Um, I'm trying to think if I have anything else. I really don't. I mean, it, it it's an interesting. Movie. This is the first movie I think I ever saw that had a nonlinear storyline to it, which I think. I was, trying to, I was trying to think about why I enjoy it so much in this film as it was playing on, and I think I, think I have a reason as to why I like it. Um, because I think it makes telling the story actually a lot easier, and it lets you follow the film more intuitively. Okay. Because if they had everything going at the same time, there'd be a lot more happening. And you'd have to be shifting around a lot more scene to scene to make everything that's happening simultaneously happen in the correct timeline. Makes sense. And, and yeah. So I don't know. What, what, what do you think about it?
1: Uh, I mean, I love it. It took me years to really get down the, the storyline. Um, because watching this as a little kid, I, I was completely lost, uh, which is fine. Uh, it definitely has gotten better. The older I've gotten, the better I can understand the story and all that. Um, even now, you know, the, the scene with... Oh, what is it? Uh, regardless, like, there's one scene with uh, Vincent Vega where it's like, I always have a hard time you know, as I'm watching the movie, putting this in the timeline somewhere. I think it's the scene with uh, Bruce Willis when he's shot in the toilet, uh, being after the next day after the Marvin situation. I think it has to be. Uh, or see now, now, I'm, now I'm getting myself confused just trying to think about it. But it doesn't matter because the rest of the movie is so good. You don't need it. You don't need it.
0: It the the only gap that there is is uh, between when Bruce Willis has the sit down with Marcellus Wallace and when the fight actually takes place. Because if it's the same day as I've always right. assumed it was, yeah. then um the then John Travolta dies the same day. Him and Jules have breakfast uh, and
1: get held up. Right. So the movie basically goes them pulling up to the apartment complex, them killing Marvin, the Bonnie situation, the meeting with Marcellus, break, the fight, the next morning, or, you know, escaping and going to the hotel, whatever. And then, you know, while that's going on, is his date with Mia, and then the next morning is...
0: No, 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 because Because when, when Mia... Opens the door for Vince uh, to get into the trainer's room after the fight. She says, "I never thanked you for dinner last night." So the first, chronologically speaking, the first piece of this movie is. Wait, hold on. God damn! About- yeah, they talk yeah, about, the about the
1: date.
0: Shit! So then there. So then it has to be. It ha- Yeah, you're right. Then you're right. Then you're right. Then you're. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'm with it. I'm with it. Yeah, it's got to be they get the briefcase, they go to breakfast, it gets held up. There's the sit uh uh Butch and Marcellus have the meeting and then Vince takes out Mia to dinner and then the next day is the fight. Yep, the next day has to be the fight and uh then everything after that happens.
1: So it's what over the course of 3 days.
0: That would make sense. Yeah, so they get the briefcase on day 1. Day two is is the date with Mia, and then day three is the fight. So yeah, that would make sense.
1: No, the the date with Mia would still be on the first day. The second oh. day is the fight because she says didn't thank you for the fight. Last oh, week. and then
0: he slept over in the motel room and then woke up the next day to go get the the watch. Yeah, okay, all right, yep, you're right. You
1: got it. We solved it. We after thirty years yeah. of movie being solved <laughs>
0: it. we finally did it. Um. Yeah, man. That's the thing. I, I, I have nothing creative <laughs> to say left. Anniversary. Shit, yeah, it was. Ain't that some shit?
1: Ain't that some shit?
0: Uh I have nothing nothing else really creative to say about this movie. Um No, neither do I. The largest chunk of the budget, 150000 dollars went into creating Jack Rabbit Slim's set. And that's something. Really? Well that makes sense. That is a very elaborate set. Oh, absolutely. Uh yeah. Uh, all right, Corwin, give me give me a, a rating and review here.
1: Um, one of the greatest movies of all time. You know, no questions asked. Easily five out of five
0: uh i i i would try so hard to find a reason to not give this a five out of five there's literally just no reason i know we didn't hype it up as much as we've hyped some some movies in the past year but this is a movie that corn and i watch all the time and for good reason this movie's fucking great um it's it's such a five out of five not only is the plot wonderful the action's great it's gripping it's long but it doesn't feel it the Dialogue. The dialogue is so good. Ugh. Oh, love this movie! All, All right, right. You yeah, it five out of five too? I did. I did. I, I, I couldn't find a single reason, not in my heart, head, or gut, to not give it. That.
1: So, should we talk about the Five Bloods? The Five Bloods. This one's going to be a lot harder to talk about because I've only seen it once, and I still don't have my notes for it. So.
0: Yeah, due yeah. to technical difficulties, Corwin has been robbed of his critiques and criticisms, but
1: we will yeah. push
0: on anyway. Um, all right, so the five bloods is a twenty twenty release. Honestly, it's a release that as of recording this was uh, came out five days ago. So uh, pretty fucking recent. Um it was directed by Spike Lee. It was written by Danny Bilson, Paul DeMio, Kevin Milt Wilmot, and and Spike Lee. Uh, it stars Delroy Lindo, Jonathan Majors, Clark Peters, among others. Um, it currently has no awards uh, or Oscars nominations because the Oscars had not happened. This movie came out five fucking days ago. Um, it can I even find the estimated budget? Do I? I don't even see the estimated budget yet. I guess this. Yeah, it's it's just too new. It's just it's just too fresh. Um, yeah, it has no awards or anything, not even minor ones yet, because, again, it came out five days ago. <laughs> so, uh, basic, the basic plot um, for African-American Vietnam War vets uh, just return to Vietnam to look for the remains of their fallen squad leader, as well as um, gold that they had hidden um, to claim at a later date that had recently potentially been uh, uncovered from a months slide. Orwin, what did you think of the five bloods?
1: Um I really like the style of it. I loved the going back and shooting things in, you know, the 35mm film, uh, for the throwbacks, giving it that authentic look and feel. Um <laughs> speaking of which I I really loved how in every single flashback everyone's faces other than Chadwick Boseman was literally in pitch black darkness. Cause there was no de-aging budget for this movie. Uh, uh, it's just, I don't know. It was, it really didn't take away anything, even though it was extremely obvious. Um, cause you understand like these dudes are like in their sixties at the very least. Like there's no, there's no makeup that can make them look young again. So, uh, I really love the, the message it had, uh, Especially at at this time in history that we're in now, I thought it was extremely fitting. Um, All in all, you know the story got you know a little cheesy, which is always the biggest thing for me. And uh, other than that, though, it was an extremely enjoyable movie. Uh, Definitely one I'll watch again.
0: I I I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. I went in with a lot of excitement. I'm a I'm a relatively big Spike Lee fan. Um, I'll watch. Oh, like literally anything the man does. I love him so much. Um, and maybe it'll benefit more from rewatches, but I just found it, it felt like like I don't know where they shot it. I'm assuming they shot it in, Vietnam, in, in actual literal Vietnam just because it, it, there's too much set for it not to make more sense to just go to Vietnam. But it really felt like they included a lot of scenes there because they had to justify their budget of going to <laughs> Vietnam. Um, like, oh, shot in Thailand. Say it, I mean, but for budgetary purposes, same thing. Um, like, there was just a bunch of weird scenes that, like, this movie could have very reasonably been 30 to 40 minutes shorter. Yeah. Very reasonably. There are so many scenes that just didn't matter. Um, the fact yeah, that Clark,
1: specifically that comes
0: to mind, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Clark Peters having a daughter, out of nowhere, not mattering in the slightest, didn't affect the plot even a little bit. It didn't matter. Yeah. It didn't need to be there. And not only that, but it was super confusing, just on like an age time level scale. Like you're telling me that that woman who, because the Vietnam War ended in the '70s, has to be mid-40s at, like, the youngest, you're telling me that she's, like, what, just living at her mother's house in Vietnam? Like, and Clark Peters is gonna do what with this information? Oh, that's right. Nothing? Because one, when would he have the means? And two, like, even if he'd had the means to do something about it, what was he gonna do? It was so bananas out there. Um, The entire bar scene, I thought, was just a waste of time. Where, know. yeah, where, um, uh, what was his,
1: what was the kid's name? David? David was the son.
0: Yeah, where David was talking to Hetty, I thought was just a way. I was talking to Cal about this, and my thing with the whole, uh, and I want to get your take on it, but the thing with the, um, the, uh, landmine detection and, uh, deactivation people is they, clearly put it in there they put them in there to set the stage that hey there's landmines because after war ends the government doesn't actually go out and deactivate them like you'd think they would and that's a reality not just for vietnam but for basically every place that's had a land war in the last like 50 years um they still turn up sometimes in europe from world war ii like it's super common um and they decided to set the stage with it, with this whole, like, yeah, that's what we do. We do this, blah, 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 I didn't think they really needed to set the stage for it, honestly. I was Real. talking to Kel. And honestly, if, if they just happened upon them in the woods, and then their exact interaction was exactly how it went, and they had never met those characters beforehand, it still makes perfect sense.
1: Yep. It, it Honestly, like, there's nothing in the story that those people affected in any meaningful way other than you know adding in some you know forced tension between everyone uh and you know the feigned love interest it was just it yeah they did nothing to the story also that's not how landmines work (laughs) (laughs) they don't wait like this movie uh behind enemy lines is the one that always stands out to me like landmines don't wait for you to take the weight off and give you a chance to disarm it before they blow you the fuck up. It's yeah, just, they just, just kind of go. <laughs> right, it just happens. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, the other landmines happen in that exact way. It's just the one where the one character needs to survive work that way. And how just pulling him off of it is going to do nothing. Absolutely. So that- <laughs>
0: As, as the other thing is, like, when he got pulled off, I kept saying, like, let me see his back. <laughs> let me see his back. And he comes, like, why? I'm, like, because that boy has got shrapnel on his back. Like His legs are still destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to Kyle. I was, like, he's got to, like, at least jump towards them to get some push off and to get most of his body away. And then, no. Then they just fucking yank him. I'm, like, no, that man is
1: dead. Like, uh. Uh, yeah, that was the biggest thing for me. It was just like, what, what's the point of having this if you're just not going to have it be anything close to reality? Yeah. The, the reactions everyone seemed to have, and like the emotions seemed so out of it. Like, nobody cared after two minutes that one of their closest lifelong friends just fucking died in their arms.
0: Yeah, I legit almost forgot about him by
1: the end of the movie because of how fast they just moved on from like the entire, you know, one of the two pillars of this trip is going and recovering this, the body of their lifelong comrade who they just happened to find out of nowhere. And then in, you know, someone that they've also known, but is still alive. You know, you would think is, of equal importance to them dies. And it's like, well, we got the gold time to get out of here. So real quick, that's actually one of the things I had written down
0: because it was very confusing for me. They said that they were going to go into the jungle to find the remains of the guy's body. And then didn't they say they're going to helicopter back with, with the remains, like they're going to give their coordinates and like get a helicopter out there to take the remains back. I think, but they, did they, they never actually at, did
1: that, right? No, I don't think they ever did. So I think they were saying they were going to the call it in, send a location to this rescue chopper and have them pull out the remains, which, you know, makes total sense. That's how things actually work. I just don't know why they seem to not have that in any way. Maybe just because of how, no, because even then things were totally normal when they found, uh, the body of Storm and Norman. And I just, I don't. It, yeah. I, I got nothing. I really don't. It, it,
0: it, yeah, it was, um, it's a shame because I think, I think uh, Delroy Lindo, the man who played Paul did a phenomenal job.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I think so, he could be Oscar, no, like in Oscar conversations uh, next year. Oh, absolutely.
0: He, he, killed it He was phenomenal and i think everyone acted really well in this I, I think there's zero weak links when it comes to the acting i think the problem is this movie could have been this movie honestly could have been a fucking miniseries with how much it was asking to be done and then how little of it actually got done like one of my other notes here is um how crazy fast they accomplished their goal of finding the things they were looking for <laughs> like yeah. it's, 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 uns- it was disturbing how like immediate they found not only literally all of the gold they were looking for and also the remains of their dead uh, commander. It was instantaneous mm-hmm. and it happened. And And when you, when you, when you run it like that, it's like. All right, that's cool, but now, like, we know the rest of the movie is going to turn very sideways. Like, probably could have seen it coming anyway, but now it's like there's like an hour left. They already did the two things they planned on doing. Gee, I wonder what's going to happen next.
1: Yeah. And that and gold is extremely heavy. Like, and they just, you know, they were definitely clearly like straining under the weight, but like, you would not be able to carry that much gold out in a backpack, especially with it already full of the supplies you need for this level of journey. I don't don't think any of these guys were in the shape needed to do this in the first place.
0: Yeah. There there wasn't a lot of strong young bodies there outside of David. (laughs) A lot of old dudes who were trying to hold down last night's sake. (laughs) <laughs> um. Ah, oh fuck, I had a fucking thing. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember.
1: This, this is just one of those movies where I think this could have been done differently, much much better because the things it was trying to accomplish were so heavy and hard-hitting and important that this could have been an extremely you know historic i don't want to say historic movie just because you know it it had a strong storyline but i think this could have been made into a uh you know a movie for the ages and i just it's way too cluttered it's way too rushed in some places way too drawn out in others it's just the final I, product just didn't work for me
0: it's a to, to to your point i would have loved more on um Whoa, I just said this Clark Peters more on Clark Peters the man who played Otis uh, his, his his drug addiction because it was him dealing with you know at least everyone was saying it's the thing they just brushed over it like he, he takes out a, a, a bottle of prescribed oxy and you know everyone's like you gotta be careful with that shit and he was like guys it's prescribed by the VA and they're like alright man you just gotta be ca-. and they're like busting his chops over it, but it's also like hey like that's an I don't, I, I don't want to say it's an interesting idea, but like that's like a real thing that happens. Like the VA tolls out pills to veterans and they get hooked on, on prescribed narcotics. And like, that's a reality and it would have been, and they do not address it uh, at all outside of one very brief other scene where uh, one of the other guys then gives Clark Peters back all the oxy he dumped out like an hour ago. Um, out of fucking nowhere back in the same pill bottle and everything or some shit um, but like that would have that would have made like a really interesting subplot but they just like I just didn't have time for it
1: yeah and they, like it was for a hip injury that they brought up and I thought that was like alright check gun you know this, this hip injury is going to be something that comes up and causes a lot more drama than it ends up actually causing because it doesn't cause any. It's it's a non-issue. Uh, yeah, uh, it, I don't want to call this movie sloppy because I feel like that has a certain context to it. But it it's it's all awesome. yeah. I still it, really enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. It's just all over the place.
0: Oh no, I'm totally with you as much as, as, as I'm ripping on details of it. Like I still think the actual production quality of this film is, is wonderful. The acting's great. Um, it, it feels very personal even though it's, it's, it's fiction. Um, like it's, it's a really interesting film. It's just, it's, it's, I think we've talked about this before. It's one of those things where like the potential for this movie to be even more was, was right in front of it. Like, Another scene that I thought was such a waste of time, um, that could have been used to talk about any of the things that we've already brought up. Uh, the, the fucking, uh, uh, what, what was he trying to sell him? A mango or uh, a, a melon, a chicken, a chicken, the fucking chicken guy uh, with, with the boat trying to sell Delroy Davis a fucking chicken. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, man, is that really what we're, what we were doing? How many times do we have to get it nailed into our head that like he has problems being around Vietnamese people because of his PTSD? Like there was like four scenes in the first hour of the movie. I get it. I get it. He's in Vietnam. He's a Vietnam War vet and he's having a hard time. Like we don't need to have this very drawn out scene that does not matter about this.
1: Yeah, I feel like that was one thing that Like, everything about that character specifically, um, I'm trying to think of the name. Uh, Paul? Otis Otis, Paul, yeah. Um, Was very well done. But that was kind of it. I feel like they should have focused more on him if they wanted the movie to be about him. Because, you know, the struggle with PTSD, the struggle with... You know, in this case, you know xenophobia, racism, whatever you want to call it. Um, it it's very, very real for this generation specifically. and it's it's tough that you know it kind of was only a part of the movie where it was the focal point. Uh, and it felt like it just scratched the surface of that.
0: Which, which scratching the surface is really what this movie was all about, which again is a shame because all the things that scratch the surface of are fascinating topics. Like the fact that Delroy Davis's character of Paul was also a Trump supporter is yeah. like, I thought was going to come way more into play. They, 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 you know, they, again, I think that they busted his chops on and then like, didn't really get into, but, ugh. um, so since this movie is, as of this podcast releasing only six days old, um, we are, i'm going to issue a spoiler uh, alert or whatever we're going to talk about the ending and plot twists because so far all we've talked about is i mean if you didn't expect the movie to do all the things we talked about i don't know what you were expecting out of the movie where the whole point of the plot is people going to go find things they found them oops <laughs> so now we're going to talk about the rest of the movie um and i want to talk about this fucking um, double cross, if you can call it that, where Jean Reno, who I was so happy to see in this, um,
1: until he started acting,
0: I didn't even pay attention. I just kept thinking to myself, "Hey, good to see you, buddy. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a <laughs> minute." <what> <laughs> um, I couldn't, so I I called it. I'm gonna I'm gonna pat myself on the back first. There, I absolutely called it. Because the thing about it is, boy, these guys are dumb that they went around trying to fence money, sorry, fence gold they didn't have yet, and like also told everyone where they'd be.
1: Like, you were just asking to get mugged. I not once thought of that until just now, but you are completely right. That's ridiculous.
0: Like I told Cal, like you're telling me that these guys went to Vietnam to get gold, and they went around like all of Vietnam telling people that they were about to go get gold, and then were shocked that the sketchy people in Vietnam tried to steal from them.
1: Yeah, it didn't really, uh, didn't really work out too hot. Too.
0: <laughs> yeah, like what was your plan? I kept thinking the guide was going to be the one to rob them because, again, they were just begging, begging to be robbed. Mm-hmm. It was not
1: a good plan. See, I didn't think it was going to be him just because of how much they all thought it was going to be him. And I was like, yeah, the, there's no way he's going to turn on these. Like, it's got to be something.
0: And it, it's like, you know, he's he's got the means to pay off the these Vietnamese people. You know, he's he's... The only one in Vietnam who can fence all the gold, like, oh, just you feel so bad for them because they they tried so hard. They flew all the way out there, and then, oh, so disappointing. Um what makes it a little bit awkward, though, is is they really didn't need the the woman character what was what was her whole thing? Why was she in that meeting with them?
1: The older Vietnamese woman. I think it was just because she was their connection almost in Vietnam, the one that was helping them get in uh, with all this stuff. I don't remember specifically. I don't again don't have my notion, but she was like their I don't wanna say proxy, but they're like middleman with all this.
0: Yeah, I just I just couldn't tell how she came about the knowing of all these people, but I guess it doesn't really matter. Um. Yeah. Uh. So I want to talk uh, ne- about um about Paul's character arc. Uh, in that, does he have one? What do you think? What do you, What do you mean by that? So, Paul's character again. Spoiler alerts. It's on Netflix. It's so easy. I know you have one. Go watch it. Um. He he dies. He gets shot into Swiss fucking cheese. Mm-hmm. Um and he has a revelation most likely brought about because he was going to die anyway from being bit by a poisonous snake, venomous snake. Uh pro tip sucking the poison out's not a thing. Um and he sees a vision of his squad leader, who it turns out that he had killed himself by mistake via friendly fire. And he he his squad leader, Chadwick Bozeman, forgives him uh, just before uh, Paul gets captured by uh, the, the Vietnamese men who were looking to steal their gold and then shot up to Swiss cheese after having dug his own grave, literally. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know. Is it is that enough for a character arc? Or is he kinda is he kinda paul the whole way through? I'm not saying it's bad that he doesn't get one. But is the revolution of self enough is is, is that moment of forgiveness enough to give it to make it an arc? Or is he just kinda coming to terms with what he did? I, I don't know. Yeah.
1: What? Oh, you don't know. Yeah, uh, I think it's him personally coming to terms, but I don't think that's meant to be a redeeming character arc because Chadwick Boseman's character is long dead and uh, based on your beliefs in the afterlife is not going to be able to come back and grant that forgiveness. Um, I think it just is, you know, him personally coming to terms with it, uh, And finding his own inner peace. But at the same time, the character arc is that this is a broken character. This is a broken person that, you know, this isn't him becoming a a better person. This isn't him being healed. This is a shame and bringing light to the fact that there are a lot more people like him and we need, you know, these people need help because they have major issues, not that. Oh, they can be saved if they just forgive themselves from within.
0: And that's the thing is, I—he was dying, right? Like, I'm not—I'm not making that up. He probably should have died way sooner, right? Um, I mean, I or know at least been incapacitated more quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the timeline was, but he seemed to stick around for a while. Uh, that's a pretty big hole that he had to dig, so. <laughs> and boy they
0: had him working um but what i mean by that is it was it was all in his head you know like chad rookbos if he was perfectly healthy and he saw that vision maybe it would be one thing but he he had a he manufactured that that vision of the man he had killed entirely on his own and and you're right. Like that's, I really think the 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 tragedy of the situation is that he he he'll, he'll get to die in peace of uh, or at least in peace of mind uh, and in fucking pieces. But he 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 doesn't he he doesn't really ever recover. You know, no. he gets his one single moment. And then he's gone. He never really gets to come to, and he left a note behind for his son, which is all well and good. But like, he never really gets to grapple with the last fifty years that he had led, you know.
1: Also, so Renault comes back and meets up with them at this, you know, abandoned village, the this temple, whatever it may be, wearing the the Make America Great Again hat. That and no one brings it up. Nobody notices.
0: I was no losing my experience. mind.
1: <laughs> like, it's not something that you could miss either because it's a very poorly fitted hat on his head that looks and it's disgusting. Yeah. Oh, uh, I- like
0: <laughs> It was, yo, that shit was bizarre. Nobody. I kept waiting for someone to say and be like, where did you get that hat? Or for it to be, like, a subtle thing that tips them off that, like, he's... But it's the thing, like, it was so obvious that he was the guy. <laughs> he pulled up to the spot where they were going to have the last stand, and then he started shooting them. <laughs> like, it's not even like, like oh, man, that was the, the low-key signal. Like, no, no. It was very obvious.
1: Oh, I, I didn't suspect that there was any doubt in their minds that he was turning on them. I just thought they didn't ever really acknowledge it. Because, yeah' like, that's what
0: I'm saying like like
1: that we're just trying to kill them that they just fought with. of course he's there like against you guys oh uh, yeah so I,
0: I I I was reading a little bit about the movie, the movie um and it makes sense in, in line with this one line that I had written down um that it's supposed to be relatively reflective of the treasure of the Sierra Madre have you ever seen that
1: movie I haven't.
0: Oh, my friend. What, what a, what a picture. Um, Humphrey Bogart at his Humphriest Bogartiest. Um, uh, it, it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, Jonathan Houston directing his father, Walter Houston. It's, oh, it's such a good fucking movie. And the basic premise of the film is that, uh, Walter Houston plays an old prospector who gets two broke day laborers to go up into a mountain with him to mine for gold. Um, The all three of them become paranoid about their gold. Uh, They especially Humphrey Bogart. He he becomes especially paranoid that the other two are trying to convince um, are trying to to steal his gold from him. And there's a bunch of hiding. Humphrey Bogart goes crazy. Walter Houston's like, yo, buddy, calm down. It escalates and escalates and escalates. The the line, by the way, from from that movie that is in this movie is uh, um, when the vietnamese people confront uh our 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 five bloods plus whiteys that uh as, as they're trying to leave they say where's your federal identification and they were like uh, where's your where's your federal badges and they said badges we don't need no stinking badges uh, that's from treasure of sierra madre but i'm not sure it applies so much which is a shame because in Treasure of Sierra Madre, Humphrey Bogart's like a totally fine, he's broke, but he's like, oh, he's okay, physically, mentally. And the only person who would reflect him in this film is, um, again, Paul, but part of what makes Paul's story what it is, is that he's not okay. He has PTSD, and he's really, I wouldn't even say he's overreacting about the gold, I'd say he's mostly just concerned with practical things like safety. Right? Um, like when he goes off the beaten path, he's very reasonable. And I, I, I said to Cal, I, th- I said he was totally fucking right. Like, yeah, they're coming for you down the only road in the jungle. You should probably not be on the road.
1: No, like I get that. That makes sense. But I, I can't argue that, you know, he wasn't clearly just focus on the gold. You know, like his friends are dying and he's worried about, okay, is my son getting a full share now? Like are are we still getting our money? Like it, it I don't know. Like I'd have to go back and rewatch that again. You know, it's it's still just a movie I've seen for the first time. So it's hard to to know how that all went down specifically. But I don't know. Like while he is well things get hot and he does revert back to that, you know, instinctive training and following gut instincts, I think his conscious focus is still on the gold.
0: I don't know. I, I, it's tough because, again, with Treasure of Sierra Madre, they're not in any immediate danger. They're, like, on the top of, uh, like, a mountainside. And it's just the three dudes. You know, there's no, one, there's no one really trying to... Eventually, some people come to try to fuck with them. That's where the line badges, we don't need those stinking badges, comes from. Um, but for the most part, like, there's just three dudes like sitting up on top of mountain eating beans and shit. You know, like it, it it's it is what it is. With with this movie though, there is a sense of danger. There's landmines everywhere, there's uh, the Vietnamese that eventually come to confront come to confront them. There there there's there's the 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 tough and treacherous trek that they have to make to get back to, to from whence they came. Like there's other things to be concerned about that I kind of more so excused Paul's want to maintain the direction of the trip because there was a lot that could have led to distraction. Um, I don't know. it seemed he was definitely off um, off center in 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 his in his stability, but he seemed mostly rational while he was doing it. Definitely hot. You know? Definitely, definitely hot. But he never said anything like outland- Like He never like
1: accused anybody of anything crazy I don't think. Did he? I mean, he accused Otis of turning against all of them and setting them up. And- oh, yeah, he did. You're right. <laughs> I mean, it- he said some crazy shit.
0: Yeah. Alright. I don't know. I have to watch it again too at some point. Um oh damn it, I have one other point. Oh, how do you think about this as a
1: as a um apocalypse now style movie? Oh, that was one of my notes. Uh before we go into that, uh playing Flight of the Bubble Bees while they were on the riverboat heading up river. Oh my god. Like if I was like a dog, I'd be doing like the tippy tap tap. So excited to see that, just because you know, Apocalypse Now is my movie, and i I just love that reference so much.
0: For anyone unaware, Apocalypse Now is literally
1: Corwin's favorite movie. Oh God, I I am a uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Like I'm I'm a fanboy over that movie. I love it so much. Um, I I don't like it as a, that kind of movie. I think it it doesn't take itself seriously enough in that. It's too unfocused for that. You know, like Apocalypse Now is. It goes all over the place, you know, location wise and all that, but the focus is always on Colonel Kurtz and getting to that objective where this seems to be okay, we're here for Norman. We're here for the gold. We're here for this father, daughter, whatever this is. We're here for you know mental health and a father-son lack of bond and it, it's there's too much going on for it to be that kind of movie because apocalypse now focuses on you know what the jungle does to your minds and the mental incapacitation the mental uh you know i'm trying to think of the right word uh degrading the just the mind collapsing on itself because of the jungle and what it does to you where this just doesn't have that that focus on that it's it, it just doesn't fit that well enough
0: I think I think it's a closer comparison than the treasures this year, than treasure of Sierra Madre is because only because if we look at it in a very loose way, uh, Apocalypse Now, it's about the army guy gonna go get the other army guy. Right? And in uh, in Defy Bloods, it's about the 4 x ex-army guys gonna go get the army guy. And, you know, they gotta travel through Vietnam to do it. Um, but like you said, it's 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 not a more narrow focus because they do like a lot of stuff. Like there's a bizarre surfing scene <laughs> in uh in Apocalypse now that fits perfectly. I love it so much. It's it fits perfectly in the movie, but like it's super weird. Um and like you get a bunch of those kind of offshoots and, and Defy Bloods could have been that, but it doesn't have again, it just doesn't it lacks the focus. And in Apocalypse Now, they, uh, uh what Michael, uh, um, fucking Sheen, right? Michael Sheen, gets to, um, uh, Marlon Brando's character at like, not like the end, the end of the movie, but certainly in the final act of the movie. Whereas the Five Bloods, they find everything looking for again in the be- very begin, the very beginning of Act Two. Yeah. Uh and it's a shame because I get that they were going for certain treasure of Sierra Madre type of vibes, but I I really think it would have been better served as an apocalypse now, where they got more of the adventury part of it than than we ended up getting.
1: A thousand percent agree.
0: It's such a shame. I, I there's such a better movie in this. And it makes me sad. And I I, 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 understand that adapting books to films is very challenging. And that's one of the this. I'll, you know, I'll, I'm going to rephrase. This is the reason we're getting a lot of really, really cool um, mini series now hmm. because this this movie should have been a mini
1: series. I didn't know this was based off a book.
0: Yes. So actually, interestingly enough, it was originally um because I you know, I was doing my research. Uh, it was originally called um, The Last Tour. And it was written by uh, Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo. And it was about four aging white vets who were heading back to Vietnam. Actually, sorry, it was this was based off of a different screenplay, my mistake. Um Oliver Stone was gonna direct it and, and then it just oh, kinda of fell through.
1: Says an Oliver Stone movie.
0: Oh yeah, this would be a wild Oliver Stone movie. Um, and then eventually, um, it worked its way uh, it worked its way into to Spike Lee's hands, and then him and Kevin Wilmot rewrote the script to make it about uh, black soldiers um, and add in a few touches that center more around that theme. But like, there's it's such a dense movie in in the terms of what it wants to do that it becomes. Kind of just scatterbrained, and it would have been so much better suited for for a miniseries.
1: Yeah, I don't, I feel like it would be great as a miniseries if they fixed the focus and tone. Um, you know, I, it's it's hard to look at that and just you know extrapolate what we have here into being a miniseries because they'd be able to do. More with each individual episode, focusing on different things, whatever you know, however you want to structure it. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm such a huge proponent of having more content, more space to flesh out these ideas, these scripts. That you know, I'm all for having miniseries for you know most most of these kind of projects. Just because I, I love having more content. Um, but uh, this is one of those where it's kind of like teetering on the edge of how effective it would be. I think it'd be interesting because I
0: think you would get a lot of good conversation out of it. Like good, I think we'd see a lot of really interesting dialogue because, you know, for one thing, they get to talk about all the, the, the obvious points. You know, they get to talk about what it was like to be uh, black in the 70s, what it was like to be a returning black veteran in the 70s, and they made some passing comments about Muhammad Ali's comments about not serving in Vietnam, which are uh, just more and more true every day. Um, and I think we get a lot of interesting and, and some of the stuff that we touched on previously, like like, like uh, um, uh, Otis's drug problem. I am assuming he has because why else bring it up? I, I think we get a lot more of that type of stuff. And you get to see more development of those types of ideas as the, cause the plot itself is simple enough that I think you can extend it readily because it's just, Hey, it's going to take a little bit longer for them to find everything. (laughs) That's all you gotta do really to keep the plot moving. is, you know, they find less gold per minute than they found in the movie, which was again, all of it in about five. So Yeah,
1: it, it was pretty ridiculous. Like I get like the the quote unquote science of it, like, oh it was here and then a mudslide came and it pushed it downhill in a general straight direction. Okay. But the first piece of gold was just conveniently very close to the top of what would you would expect to be a deep mud hill if it can bury a... Mudslide, excuse me. If it can bury a C-47 plane, uh, that also happened to be above where the thing was actually buried itself. I don't know. That was very confusing. You could argue that, you know, it tumbled and everything came out, but, like, everything was extremely close to the surface and required extremely little effort to dig out, and that's just... That's not how that would work. You know, like we watch these movies, we talk about having you know suspension of disbelief and you have to accept some of these compromises because it's a movie and nothing would make sense if it stuck to the rigid confines of actual laws of physics. Um, but there's some that are just easy easier to work around than this. like this. I mean, come on, there's just so much here that just is enough. Come on. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, any final thoughts before we go on to ratings and
1: reviews? Um, I'm sure I had plenty, uh, but I don't remember anymore, so I don't know. Before God stole all of your words. Before God stole my voice. Uh, all right. Then give me a final rating and review. I, I struggled with this one because at at the end of the day, I still really enjoyed. You know, the overarching story, I really enjoyed, you know, the style of it. You know, it's Spike Lee. It has that Spike Lee style. Uh, I enjoyed the flashbacks a ton, and I'd love to see an entire action movie based off of just that. Um, But at the end of the day, it it did have its shortcomings. Uh, I don't know. I want to give this like a three out of five. I'd give it a three based off of the film itself, but the the points that it makes and I don't how, how do I want to put this the the messages it tries to deliver throughout I think are important enough and crucial enough and add enough to the story to give it I'll give it a three point five.
0: Uh, I'm gonna give it a two and a half. Um. I think it's still totally worth the watch. I think it's an interesting movie. I think if you watched it, you wouldn't be mad you watched it. um but it's long as shit. It's two and a half hours long. It is all over the place um and i I have a lot of I have a lot of problems with it um it's It's a Spike Lee movie. I love Spike Lee. I recommend you watch everything Spike Lee's ever done because it's so rarely but not good um and I don't think. And I think all the problems with this movie probably existed previous to Spike Lee being involved with it, because again, this was a pre-existing script. But uh, regardless, I still have issues with it that are always compounded when the movie exceeds two hours. So, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Do you have your uh, your next week movie pick yet? I do. All right. Lay it on me, big boy. 2008 in Bruges. Ah. An indie classic.
1: Yes, I think you introduced me to this movie too.
0: It's entirely possible. I I am overdue for a rewatch though, so I'm super happy to watch this. Uh, I I am once again caught between films and I'm very conflicted about what to pick. Um Damn, they're both be such great options. I'll go with the more I don't want to say mainstream. I'll say the less fucking weird one. Um, it's a Spanish film, Spanish language film. Actually, I think it's from Spain. That doesn't matter. Uh, called Time Crimes. Uh, don't look up what it's about. It's only going to ruin the movie for you. Um, but it go, it's about ta- uh, time travel, kinda. Uh, it's 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 a good watch. I think you're. I, th- I think you, Corwin, are very much so going to enjoy it. Hell yeah. So I've
1: heard of it, so I'm excited to see what it is.
0: Yeah, I've only seen it once, and I saw it like right after I heard about it because I remember being on like a whole like time travel kick for like a month um, back in college, and I have been really wanting to rewatch it recently. I th- I think you're really going to, from what I remember of it, I think you're really going to enjoy this. Sorry, sorry. All right, uh, anything else before we get out of here? Hell no. Nah. All right, then get out of here. We will. Uh, If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumber at gmail.com. And until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.